welcome back to the Honest as a Mother podcast. You're back with Amanda. And today on the podcast, I am joined by Katie Ray. So if I'm being honest, I'd like to say that Katie and I have been chatting so much over the internet. But what really happened was I came across this TikTok of hers, obsessed with it, shared it on my Instagram, and then just messaged her and was like, I love this. I need you. Please come on, have this conversation with me. So here she is. Welcome, Katie, to the Honest as a Mother podcast. I am so excited that you're here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hey, everybody. Just like Amanda said, I'm Katie Ray. I am from Casper, Wyoming. I am a mom of four amazing kiddos. I've been in Casper for about seven years now. And honestly, I don't know how what happened on TikTok happened other than just by total miracle, but it's been the most fun place to develop and grow and help other moms and survivors of trauma be able to find themselves and step into the next level of freedom. Oh, thank you. Your page is so wonderful. And I relate a lot to the mom stuff. And like, first of all, you're a mother of four, like, what is that like? I only have two and I just go like, holy shit all day, every day. You have double what I have. (laughs) What is that like? Holy shit is very accurate. (laughs) Seriously. Um, the best way to describe it is with two, you feel like you're treading water in the deep end and then someone throws a baby at you and then you just multiply that you're already drowning and then someone throws more kids at you. Okay. Honestly, it's the most fun. My older kids love, love, love having younger siblings and they're so supportive and they're so helpful. I'd say probably the biggest struggle is just trying to keep up on the house. It's always messy. There's always dishes. There's always laundry and there never feels like enough time in the day to keep up. But four kids is so challenging and so blessing in so many different ways. Oh yeah, I bet. So, okay. So then I'm doing all right then. Cause I'm with you. I don't think like, I think I can keep my kids alive. I think they look good most of the time. I really can't just keep up on housework and laundry and myself. Girl, <laughs> so, that's the ultimate goal. As long as your kids are alive, they're relatively well adjusted. They don't right. bitch about so much too often. Like they're, they're okay with stuff pretty rel- like relatively often you're doing a good job you're yeah, a right? good mama this societal expectation to have our children looking the most and the best at all times I'm like scratch that I forgot to brush my kids hair this morning she's going oh, to school yes. looking scruffy and if my teacher says anything about it I'm gonna be like whip out the hairbrush sis because we struggled right? this morning <laughs> Can another mom just not look at it? Right. Can the teachers just not look at it? Like, Oh, that mom, she was struggling this morning. (laughs) Well, the truth is what I love about the kind of content I see so often on TikTok is just breaking down these societal stereotypes and expectations. And it's definitely the Instagram filter that says the highlight reel of what it should look like when in reality, it was a hot mess trying to get that picture. It was an absolute shit show trying to get the perfectionism put out there for the world to say, wow, how can I achieve that? That feels so unrealistic. And it is, (laughs) 
It is because us moms, whether you have one kid or four, trying to achieve perfection is something you will chase and always feel lacking because you'll never be able to satisfy and you'll never be able to achieve it. So sometimes my kids have messy hair and my house is always trash and smells a little funky. The dishes are always undone. Bitch, we light a candle and then we just say, it's all good. It's all good. Right. (laughs) Nobody's dying because the dishes aren't done. Yeah. Sometimes we eat on paper plates and I'm like, it is what it is. <laughs> oh, that has been like the most like life, biggest life hack, especially after like a birthday party. Okay. Let's get real. I haven't had a birthday party in a while and I live in Canada, so I ain't having one anytime soon, but we, when I do like the paper plates, oh God, there's life changing for weeks. We eat a off paper plate. It's amazing. Yes. So good. Well, Well, I really want to dive into your story into motherhood, specifically about um, your TikTok that you had made. And you were really open about talking about your intrusive thoughts. And recently, I've really learned about intrusive thoughts and what they are. And I always thought to myself, even as someone who struggled with her own mental health postpartum, I'm a huge mental health advocate now. I fully understand it. A year of therapy did not know that I was having intrusive thoughts. Nobody told me. No one explained to me what they were. Yeah. I think I just thought an intrusive thought was, you know, that I wanted to harm myself or the baby when it's not necessarily always those things. Yeah. So just kind of really diving into this myself, like I shared another podcast. So my biggest intrusive thoughts were I kept regretting having my daughter and I couldn't bear to tell anybody that. And I just remember like I would sit in my son's bed and I would cry and I would just lay with him and cry and think about like, why did I do this? I shouldn't have done this. She deserves better than me. You know, I probably shouldn't have been a mother of two. It was so much easier before I, you know, what did I do wrong this time? And I just thought that was just a normal part of it. But in fact, it is an intrusive thought. And so I'm so excited to have you on because what you shared on TikTok is so vulnerable. It's so raw. And I think it's so important that we share these thoughts with everybody because I think every mom has them. I really do. Whether you struggle with your mental health or not, whether it's harm intrusive, I know some women have sexual intrusive, whether it's a more intrusive thought like I've had, you know, these things come through our mind. And I think it's so great that you are so open and vulnerable about yours. So would you share a little bit about your story? Absolutely. So what I didn't do in that TikTok because there was only 60 seconds and I felt like it definitely is something I should have prefaced with is the information I'm going to share can be scary to hear, but Mm -hmm. it shouldn't stop anyone from wanting to have children if it's on your heart. And it shouldn't scare anyone from away from the potential of building your family. It is very possible that people will experience what it is we're talking about today, like intrusive thoughts or Mm -hmm. postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and postpartum psychosis, but there's help. And that was the whole moral of the TikTok that I made was get yourself help. So my first kid I had in 2012 or no, yes, 2012 and ended up 
very shortly after becoming a single mother, a lot of the choices that I made leading up to getting pregnant with my daughter were a lot of trauma-related decisions. I come from a background of extraordinary childhood sexual abuse. I was born into a religious cult. I talk about the healing journey of that a lot on my TikTok and become a sexual exploitation advocate and a human trafficking advocate. And most of the decisions that I made becoming a mother were trauma related decisions. And I did not know how to sift through the difference between a trauma related behavior and me simply reacting to what was happening in my life. Everything felt like it was falling apart. Single mom at the age of 20, I didn't know exactly what I was supposed to do with the same guy ended up single mom of two. And Mm -hmm. it was a very abusive relationship without uncovering anything because I've always worked diligently to still honor him in that one day my children will hear hear everything that I put on the internet. I left and I started over. And when I came to Wyoming to start over, it was a leap of faith. I knew that it was either stay in Montana and die or move and live and thrive. And I had no idea that such a large leap of faith would turn into everything that it turned into, that it was, I was just scratching the surface of prepping my heart for absolute overload that God had intended. And I was pregnant with my second when I moved to Wyoming. So I had my first, she was a year old. I started over, I moved. And when I was pregnant with my second, it was a very traumatic pregnancy. I had a huge pregnancy complication that almost killed me during delivery. And they told me I could have no more children after my second. Okay. And I didn't really struggle with postpartum depression or anxiety because I was just dealing with a lot of internal battles. I was dissociating significantly, which is For those of you who don't know what dissociation is, it's definitely your brain's way of protecting the body from where the trauma lives. And so I just dissociated rather regularly and there was very little depression or anxiety to be had being so out of body so frequently. Mm -hmm. I moved from Buffalo, Wyoming to Casper shortly after moving here and having my second child, I met my husband and it developed quickly. And he is the most amazing man in the entire world. Looked at me, my two kids and said, I want this. I want this forever and married me. And it was amazing. And we have, I love that. We got pregnant with our third and got hand a planned parenthood pamphlet by my Mm -hmm. vascular specialist. And he told me that I couldn't have kids and I needed to abort my baby. And my husband and I knew that that wasn't the plan for our family and that we were just going to trust that we were going to be okay and we were going to trust that this baby would be okay and that both of us would be healthy and we were he was born super hefty nine pounds straight up looked like a linebacker oh my goodness and, um it was after noah was born that everything went south i had a lot of health issues that weren't diagnosed until later but this is where this is the segment of time where this TikTok was talking about where I would wake up in the morning with stifling anxiety and crippling depression Mm -hmm. that would quickly turn into rage. And it made no sense to me. I would literally just be eyes open, awake in the morning, already at 60%. 
like my capacity. I'm more than half to my daily capacity. And I've literally only just woken up for the day Mm -hmm. and I hear a child cry and bam, I'm at a hundred percent immediately. There was no room and it made no sense to me. And as time began to progress with this little baby and these three, these two toddlers, all of a sudden my symptoms were progressing so deeply in the wrong direction. I was having thoughts of murdering my family and not like dreaming about it. I'd go to sleep at night. I dream about it, wake up and be like, man, that was a really ugly dream. I would have these extraordinarily intrusive thoughts that I would let run away. So Mm -hmm. we talk about the intrusive thought that pops up. You're driving in your car, you're passing through an intersection and all of a sudden you imagine getting Mm T-boned. What do you do with that intrusive thought? You have to either stop it there, control it and go to the right direction with the thought. Or do you run the thought pattern where you're like imagining yourself in the ICU and then does anyone come to my funeral when they unplug me? This is how when, when we're talking about the patterns that your neurons make when you continue through intrusive thoughts the brain patterns, like you're either going to create a super thick highway from one thought pattern to the other, or you're going to break it and you're going to have to recreate pathways. So when these intrusive thoughts pop up, you have to fight against allowing them to run their course Mm -hmm. because that's only going to increase the depression, the anxiety, the suicidal thoughts. It all cascades on itself. So these thoughts I was having of murdering my family, it wasn't just like, man, it would be a lovely day if I walked through the park and just hurt my family. Like that would be great. No, I was already at a hundred percent. Right. My kids were crying. This day was so difficult and I wanted to shake my baby. Mm -hmm. Like I just wanted to shake him to make him stop. I know in my, I know what I know, what I know that you can't shake a baby. Yeah. I know in my soul that that would harm my baby, but these thoughts told me it will fix it. Yeah. If you just shake the baby, it will fix it. If you just drown your children, it will fix it. And then you can go take your life. All will be well. Mm -hmm. And this pattern developed significantly over a span of three to six months. And I started having pretty severe health symptoms. I was having light and sound sensitive migraines, vertigo, nausea, chronic fatigue, chronic widespread pain. I found myself going into doctor's offices, explaining to them my symptoms, aside from the um, levels of anxiety and depression I was having, I was explaining everything else. And they said, you're a tired mom. It gets Mm -hmm. hard once you have your third, like drink some water, get a nap, take some Tylenol, you're going to be okay. Right. And the typical response. Dude, the typical response. And I I promise I'm not a feminist when I say this, but they were all male doctors. And the first doctor that finally heard me out was female. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was so ill. I was so ill by the time that I went to this new doctor, I'd had a blackout migraine and I found myself on the bathroom floor. I said, okay, something's very wrong. I need to go to a doctor. I just need to get this figured out and went to the closest clinic to my house. Had never been there before, had never met anyone there before. I walked in her office. She had the lights off because she knew I had a migraine. And I told her first thing, I said, I don't think I'm okay. I know I'm not having a psychotic break. I know that I am not um, schizophrenic. I've been well, it doesn't run in my family, but I have to tell you what's going on. 
mm-hmm. been fantasizing about murdering my family. I have stifling anxiety and crippling depression. And these are all of the other symptoms I have. And without even running blood work, the first thing she said is, oh man, sounds like you've got a really nasty case of postpartum psychosis. And I'm going to guess it's because of your thyroid. Let's do some blood work. And that's wow. exactly what we did. Immediately, she ran blood work. And it looked. It turned out that I was in adrenal failure, that my adrenal gland was dying. Pregnancy is very hard on the body. Yeah. It is not uncommon for you to have a baby. And all the flare of hormones during labor and delivery start throwing other things out of whack. And the thyroid yeah. is one of the most common things to be negatively affected and impacted during pregnancy, labor, and delivery. Mm-hmm. And I got on some medication and bing, bang, boom. I was better within weeks. That's within incredible. Weeks. And Seriously, you suffered for months. Part, the best part is that like, she just listened. She held me while I cried. Right. Like, she didn't. And I know that the biggest fear that everybody has, and I, I got thousands of comments from other moms that said, I need help, but I can't tell. I'm afraid they'll take my baby. Right. And I know how frequent medical abuse of power is in the United States Mm -hmm. and it is heartbreaking. And I wish that it wasn't the case. And I wish I could tell you that if you go and get help, that someone won't medically abuse their power. Um, But I say, it's okay to fire your doctor. If you have someone who is just not getting the bigger picture and they just don't hear you the first time you say I'm unwell fire, go get another doctor fire, go get another doctor, find the one who hears you. And they immediately say, we're going to run every single test that we have until we figure out what's going on with you. Yeah. Oh, I totally agree even here. So I'm in Canada, but it's the same thing. You get doctors who either will help you or won't help you or hurt you. Right. When it comes to these types of things and it takes, mom's such strength to say those thoughts out loud. Those are really heavy thoughts. And especially when, so I, I think I like to bring up too, like an intrusive thought. I was, I had learned this from another therapist. I did a um, podcast with, and she was saying like an intrusive thought is not in tune with your own like characteristic. Right. So that's the hardest part about this. These intrusive thoughts is Yep. it's not who you are. It makes us feel like that's who we are. And that's where you struggle with it. Right. Cause you're like, I would never hurt a fly. Why am I dreaming about, or, you know, having thoughts of harming my children? I, I would never yeah. do that. And that's where you struggle with it the most. And so it's so incredibly hard for a mom to say out loud to someone, I'm having thoughts about harming my kids. Like Think about how that sounds as a mom. If you heard another mom say that now going through it, of course, I would have a different, I would have a whole different thought process, but I don't even know that some people even know how to handle that. So that's such a heavy thing. Like the first time I ever told someone that I felt like I regret having my daughter, she said, why would you say something like that? Yes. Right. There is so much shame behind it. And just like you said, the intrusive thought, it's the lie that's Mm -hmm. opposite of how we actually operate. And when we can learn the pattern of speaking the opposite to the lie. So the lie screams, kill yourself and your whole family. And I can hear it, immediately catch it and speak the opposite. Dude, I love being alive. I love my family. I love where I'm at. Obviously, these intrusive lies are turned on high. I need to get some 
work done, maybe go to therapy, maybe get on some medication. Because when the intrusive thoughts are so often, they're so frequent and they're louder than your ability to speak the opposite, you want to get some help. You want to get some support. But there's such a stigma around being able to say it out loud for that very reason. Medical abuse of power, you have people who don't understand and therefore Mm -hmm. they call CPS. You have family members who aren't as supportive as they could be creating this lack of community that's necessary for people who are struggling with mental health disorders. And you leave a mom who is struggling with her mental health alone, Mm -hmm. hoping and praying that someone will hear, not judge, and help get her the support necessary. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of work to still be done in this area in our world. Oh my goodness. Yes. Well, when you were going through it, who's the first person that you told? Yeah. So my husband's the first person that I told, and I very reluctantly told him with all the shame and all the embarrassment, um, all the discomfort that comes from talking about such a sensitive topic, especially with someone who may not really grasp what any of that really looks like or what it means. Um, I looked at him, I, I couldn't even look at him. I literally buried my hands in my face and I said, I need to tell you something, but I need you to know that I am not a monster and I just need help. And I, I need you to not look at me any differently because I am still the bride that you chose, but I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. And of course, he's just so sweet. He's so gentle. And he said, of course, I would never look at you any differently. You can tell me anything. And through covered hands and a lowered face, I told him that I was struggling with fantasizing about murdering our children and our whole family. And I was unwell and I needed help. And he just held me while I cried. That's amazing. He held me while I cried and told me that um, we'd get some help and we'd get some support. And we did. And, and this is like, this is after having already gone through a decade of therapy right. and having already been in several years after that decade of therapy, the, it is, the journey is not linear. You guys, there is no one who is subject to not experiencing these things, even half after having tons of resources and tons of support. Being a mom is so fucking hard. It is so hard. It's so hard on the body. There are chemical and hormonal imbalances that are 100% guaranteed to onslaught your body at any given time with no warning. And no matter the level of support and how good your life is and how beautiful things are, this misnomer that your life has to be falling apart and everything has to be so hard and so terrible. You already have to be preconditioned to experience these things There are people who have very little struggle who have experienced postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, postpartum anxiety, because it has nothing to do with the condition of your life, how your body decides to respond to Mm -hmm. having a baby. (laughs) It responds in different ways for everybody. And it's hard. Being a mom's hard. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to hear more of is we need to hear more moms saying, being a mom is fucking hard. Just like you said, like it's, it's, it is, there's nothing easy about it. And then, you know, tack on a mental health issue. It's harder. Yeah. 
I think we, uh, we definitely glamorize it through TV and we see a lot of celebrities having kids Mm -hmm. and the bounce back. (laughs) They have nannies and they have assistants and they have drivers and they, this is not me shitting on celebrities. They've, (laughs) you worked your ass off for your money and you have the ability to have a higher level of support system because of that. But we look at this and we're like, this would be so much easier if I had this level of support and I just don't. So it's mm-hmm. so much harder. It's just this on un- back to that unrealistically attainable mindset about what parenting is supposed to look like. Parenting is really hard, whether you have a nanny or not. Let's be clear. Celebrities don't get a free pass from the really hard parts of parenting. When your kid comes mm-hmm. to you and they're like, okay, so, um, this boy just kissed me at school today. And then you have to have the conversations about bodily autonomy and consent. And did he have permission? And well, we're not old enough to be kissing boys yet. Those, those hard conversations, no one gets free of those. Mm-hmm. Parenting is still really fucking hard. Oh, and yeah. those conversations where your kids come home and they're like, I just got the shit kicked out of me on the playground today. And you're like, who am I? Who am I putting on a red jumpsuit for or an orange jumpsuit? Like, I'm right. What eight year old am I about to beat the crap out of? Totally. Because mom is going to go to school and start slapping kids around, which I can't do, but sometimes I really want to smack kids. <laughs> I'm not there yet, but it's coming in September, so I'll keep you posted. Please do, girl, because it's a struggle. Kids can be freaking mean. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. So after all of this, did you have to go into therapy? Did you have to start medication? Like if someone was struggling with postpartum psychosis, what do you know? I don't know if you know, like what the actual like protocol is, but what was, what worked for you? So my doctor put me on meds immediately and it wasn't just for anxiety and depression, but I got put on medication for my adrenal failure and for my thyroid. I ended up starting to see a endocrinologist as well to work with my thyroid levels, making sure those were balancing out because they were imbalanced. It was heavily affecting my cortisol levels, my serotonin levels, and that was impacting the level of postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety that I was experiencing. My doctor told me had my thyroid or had my thyroid not been in such a bad shape after giving birth, she doesn't know that it would have gotten to postpartum psychosis. I may still have been dealing with PPD and PPA, but not to the point where I was ready to off my whole family. So got on some meds. And then, um, I don't know that I hopped into therapy right away. I have so many tools already in my tool belt from decades of therapy from, being a sexual exploitation survivor that I knew where to go immediately. Gotcha. I already well, had that's good. Jour- yes. I already had journals. I had books. I had podcasts. I already had like 15 years worth of support systems right at my fingertips. And I went there directly. So if you are somebody who this is your first time experiencing this, maybe multiple times, but you really just didn't know where to go first. If you need to get on medication, there's absolutely no shame. Yeah. Don't let the people around you say, oh, medications for the week. Yeah. Bullshit. Yeah. Medication no is to help your body do what it's supposed to be doing naturally, but it's not doing right now. And yeah. 
listen, I'm a health and wellness coach. So I work with plant-based supplementation and I teach people how to fuel their body with foods and all the natural things out there. But I'm never, ever, ever going to tell somebody, oh, just, just go natural, avoid the medication and your depression and anxiety will go away. Mm-hmm. So it's so not okay to invalidate the very real chemical imbalances that are happening inside of someone's brain and inside of someone's body. So mm-hmm. highly recommend if you're in a position that your doctor says medication would be a good route, go for it. Just trust your physician, um, prepare yourself for the potential that you're going to ride the roller coaster, that you may have to switch a medication or try another one. Don't give up on yourself, advocate for yourself, fight for yourself. Therapy isn't for the weak. Therapy is the shit, absolutely the shit. As a mom, taking a break once a week to just go unload with somebody. And not only am I unpacking shit, but they're helping me like dissect each little thing. Oh, why did you say that that way? That's really interesting that you you perceive that situation like that. They're giving me entirely new healthy perspective on things that I already perceive as unhealthy because of trauma. Because of trauma. (laughs) And like- why is it such a bad thing that us as moms want to fix, like make ourselves better? Why is that such a bad thing? Like why is everyone it- assumes if I put myself first, I'm selfish. Yeah, when the truth bullshit. is, if I don't take care of me, my kids are getting the rest of me and no one's getting the best of me. Mm-hmm. I am simply just the rest. It's just fucking crumbs. It's just leftovers if That's I right. don't take care of myself. That's and so right. I am so intentional about making sure I get my time in the morning. I do my devotional. I read the books that lift me up and fill me up. I listen to podcasts. I, and then I can pour into my kids. I'm coming from a full cup already. Mm-hmm. If I start on empty, I mean, the deficit is so great and it bleeds into all of my family members. They know that mom's empty my battery's at zero and they're trying to charge up on themselves. And I'm like, I ain't yeah. got nothing for you. Sorry. Yeah. Got nothing. One, one really powerful thing um, that I remember my therapist saying to me that still sticks with me. She said, you know, if you do the inner work, the outer work with your children will just come. Yep. It will just come. So I used to really struggle with rage as well. And, you know, I'm still a yeller. I don't, I think that's not always like a postpartum rage thing. I think that's just how I was raised too. But it's like me too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm a yeller. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, you know, I'm not mean. I just raise my voice a lot. (laughs) But I remember like at first when it was, you know, larger than it is now, that was something. And I kept saying like, you know, I don't want, I feel like a boiling pot. And, and once I'm at like a 10, everything is, everybody's like my target. Right. And so she kept yeah. saying, well, if you just do that inner work, you won't boil over onto everything. Yeah. And I didn't believe her until I really started being like me first, <laughs> me first. Dude. Isn't that so true that we even look at professionals and we're, we're like, bullshit. Yeah, well, because I'm like, she's crazy. When the hell am I supposed to find time for myself? And guess what? Yeah. I put the work in, I did it. And it started changing just like she said she would all of a sudden it was like, oh, I only yelled once this whole week. And even like, I remember my son, he would like say stuff like that. Like, you're not mad anymore. And which at first would crush me, but it it validates it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm really, I'm really doing this. I'm really getting better. And my children notice it. So it comes back to 
if mom's not happy, nobody's happy. Like someone once told me too, mom is like the CEO of the household. So friggin' true. It really is. Yeah. Cause if I'm not happy, my husband's not happy. My children aren't happy. The happy wife, happy life thing. I think that's real. <laughs> like It's a real it, thing. It very much is. Yeah. Self-care. Um, our, our family unit thriving is the byproduct of the mom's self-care. If Agreed. we don't take care of ourselves, we simply can't take care of our families the way we're supposed to. Yeah. So agreed. I'm proud of you for taking care of yourself. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, you know, just before we wrap it up, I wondered if you could just share with me, like, why did you put that on a TikTok? Like what came to you where you were like, I need to share this with the world because like, why, why, why would the inspiration to share your story? So my whole page is 100% unfiltered authenticity about where I've come from. Mm-hmm. Like I told you and your listeners, I grew up in a religious cult and there's such, when I grew up, there was such a stigma around sexual exploitation and you simply did not talk about it. Right. If you experienced abuse of any kind, it was something that got swept under the rug and it was not spoken about. And I didn't want other survivors to live in the same level of lie that I lived in. And the lie said that if there's freedom, it's found in stuffing. You simply stuff it under the rug. You don't talk about it. We're going to pretend like it's not there. And then I guess I'm free. And decades of therapy taught me that's a lie. And I wanted other people to find the exact same kind of freedom, healing, full circle restoration that I've found and be able to step into that. And I know that that comes through being real. And that comes through talking it out and talking through it. And for some people, the first step is just here being validated in the fact that there are other people out there who've gone through that. And then not just the me too concept, like, oh, I was abused or, oh, I have trauma or, oh, I went through PPD, PPA and postpartum psychosis. It's the, what comes after? Yes, I went through this, but there's freedom. Mm-hmm. I experienced this horrible experience, but there's healing. And then you give them those steps to getting there. My calling here is to be an advocate. And I've always worked really hard to just be as open and honest with people as possible to advocate on behalf of their growth, their healing journey, and their desire to be more. Because people think, you know, I'm good with just being okay. Like I'll just be okay. And they say I'm okay enough times that it doesn't even sound like a word anymore. And I'm like, nah, girl, you have thriving coming your way. Mm -hmm. and you're going to find it. And I had no idea that that's what would come from just making these really honest, vulnerable TikToks, but I wanted people to not feel alone. Number one, number two, it's absolutely my objective on my TikTok to break stigma off of the, the silence that comes with survival of any kind, whether it be abuse, mental health, anything of that nature to break the stigma off of it, that people would watch it and say, whoa, I'm not alone. This girl Mm -hmm. said this from a place of freedom instead of shame or hurt, or she said this from freedom. How do I get that? Mm -hmm. How do I get there? I want that too. And if I can help bring even one person on the other side of the serious shame that they're trapped in and help them find the first steps towards recovering from whatever they've gone through, then I've done my job. I feel like I've accomplished something meaningful and 
that, that honestly was the long version of the whole point why I posted that. No, I loved it. I love the freedom idea too, because I started this podcast for the exact same reason. I felt extremely alone, like no one understood me. And when I got, when I was going through it, connecting with other moms gave me that sense of freedom. I could see that they were on the other side of it, but they were posting things that I was feeling. They were talking about when they went through postpartum anxiety, depression, rage, psychosis, whatever. And I was resonating with their posts even more than I could resonate with my therapist. Yeah. Right. It was just like, my therapist was wonderful. Don't get me wrong, but there's nothing like the validation or the freedom. I'm, I'm loving this word of just hearing or seeing another mom speak about something that you don't want to speak about, but you're feeling it. Dude, seriously, when you have someone who's standing on the other side and they're like, let me tell you, I went through this shit. I'm on the other side. You should come over here too, because this is awesome. And the people over here are like, oh my God, did she just say that out? She just, I feel so naked right now. Not, not seen, but I feel so uncovered. Like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden my dark secret is being seen for everyone. And Mm -hmm. this is something I swore I would never say out loud. But you planted a seed when you did that. You planted a seed in so many people to say, you can not only get to this side, but you can start by saying, yeah, I get that. Yeah, I've been through that too. And the kind of liberation that creates just from someone saying it out loud, oh my God, I thought I was the only one. Oh, it's the starting point, man. It's like the tipping point towards such incredible growth and the kind of mom that you transform into from that is just beautiful. And I love watching it. Oh yeah. It's yeah. It's like just something on a whole new level. Seriously. Okay. Well, you know what, to wrap it up, I am really loving this new segment that I'm doing with the honest as a mother confession. So it can be anything. It can be something really lighthearted, something funny, something dark if you want. But I love doing it because when I post about it, I find so many moms give me things and then other moms will like post in about them and be like, oh my God, I feel that way too. So I think it helps other moms feel so much more normal. So if you could give us an honest as a mother confession... I would much appreciate it. Absolutely. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what a good confession would be that's so (laughs) applicable to other moms. And I tried finding one that was applicable to everyone. Maybe you're a single mom. And so one about marriage wouldn't apply to you or Mm -hmm. your marriage is on the rocks. So this one wouldn't apply to you. Probably the biggest one that I was like, every single mom can relate to this is often I will take a drive in the evening, literally just for silence. Mm -hmm. I will get in my car and I will drive quietly. And I feel terrible because my eight-year-old always asks me, mommy, can I come with you? I promise I will be quiet. You won't even know that I'm there. And I'm like, nope, I'm out. I will be back after you've gone to bed. Your dad is tucking you in tonight. This is my time to breathe. It's like twice a week that I, I just go take a drive 
and I don't listen to music. I don't, it's just quiet because after a very long day, you have to know how to decompress your senses. Your nervous system is shot by the end of the day as a mom and mm-hmm. you got to bring that stimuli down. And that's how I do it. I'm just like, bye. <laughs> oh, I love it. I do that too. I actually saw once, I don't know if it was on TikTok or Instagram or where, but I saw this mom who (laughs) wanted to do that. So she'd tell her husband that she's going grocery shopping, but she'd go pick up an online order and sit in the parking lot and eat junk food. (laughs) I love it. And I was like, I should tell him that. So she's like, so I'm gone for two hours because duh, we're in a pandemic. I have to wait in line. She's like, when in reality, I ordered it two days ago, picked it up and like went around all, you know, went around the mall or something or sat in her car and ate junk food. I know. Don't tell the men, steal it. You tell your husband next time, go and get groceries. I'll see you in about two hours. (laughs) Right. Well, he's sitting here listening to this whole Um, thing. So that wouldn't work out. But honestly, I'll do it then. Yeah. You'd use that. I think for me, it's an, it's just enough to know that when I come home, my kids will be asleep and it's enough for me to just wind down. And for those of you listening who struggle with mommy guilt and you're hearing this and you're like, why does that semi sound like taking care of me and semi sounds so fucked up? Like I should love my kids and I should want to be the one that tucks them in at night. And I should want to be the one that like enjoys those evening moments with them. Why does part of me feel like, man, I, I want that too. Like I want this little break in the evening time. Like I said, your, your sensories get so stimulated all day long. And if you have a partner that can help be the weight of the evening routine while you go decompress for a minute, so you actually can unwind in the evening, it's okay. Just go do it. Let mm-hmm. the mommy guilt will sort itself out later. Go take care of yourself. You're still a good mom. You're still a good wife. You're still a good house taker. Just take the fucking drive because you'll feel a lot better. Oh yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that because it is like so true. I remember the first time I finally did it and like my husband didn't die and he didn't complain. I was like, oh wow. We all survived. They all survived it. (laughs) Right. I think that's the thing. Like, I don't know. Did I think my children would die in his care? Did I think he couldn't handle it? And then I remember the second time I did it, I made a big to-do about it. And he was like, just go. Like, I know how to be a dad. Bye. Like, why are you worrying? And then I would call and he'd be like, don't call me. We're fine. <laughs> do your thing. So you're so right. The mom guilt. We know how hard it is. Yeah. Like, but we, and we you feel guilty when you leave. So it's like <laughs> the mom guilt, it will sort itself out. You are so not wrong. I don't feel guilty when I leave at all anymore. Not in the slightest. I'm like, bye. I'm on my way. I'll see you later. I'll be back soon. Enjoy your time with dad. That's right. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. It's not easy to be so open and vulnerable. I so appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. This was a ton of fun and I just love the way I've been able to make new friends on the internet. It's been Isn't so cool. It's so fun. People. Yeah. I know. I have like literally made more friends on the internet in the US, may I add, in the last year than I for sure have in like the past past, past five years in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So it's awesome. incredible. 
Well, tell everyone where they can follow you. I'm not sure if you use Instagram or not, but your TikTok, just where they can check you out and reach out to you and just get super validated and find some freedom, which is my new favorite word, through your videos. Awesome. So you can find me on TikTok at Katie Ray, C-A-T-I-E-R-E-A-Y. And same thing on Facebook. If you want to follow me there, if I don't accept your friend request, it's nothing against you. I just get hundreds of them a day. So I have to kind of tone that down a little. And then Instagram, you can find me at Katie Ray seven, same spelling. I deactivated my Instagram for a while because I was getting so many DMS and, um, it was pissing me off. So <laughs> eventually <laughs> yeah, I was just like, Shh, we're just going to quiet this up for a little bit. But you, yeah. that's the platforms you can find me on. Amazing. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. And yeah, thank you guys again for tuning into another episode. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Honest as a Mother podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you.